0: What was the purpose of Solomon's temple? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, the brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. All right, so Brian, let's jump right into this, all right? help us set up the context. Where does this passage fall in the overall
1: context of the, the Bible's narrative? Yeah, I think this is one of those passages that really help affirm our need to study the Bible as one story because, you know, you can't even go back to the beginning of 1 Kings. Just go back five or six chapters before what we're looking at and get the full story. I think we really need to go back to actually Samuel mm-hmm. um, and and remember when God's people demanded an earthly king like the other nations around them of Samuel. Samuel, and of course, of God. And God warned his people through Samuel and said, hey, this is going to be a mistake. If I give you an earthly king like you want, like the nations around you, then he's going to tax you. He's going to burden you. He's going to haul your sons off to warfare and and just list this long um, um, string of warnings that the people said, yeah, okay, we're good with that. Give us a king. And so God, of course, relented and gave them Saul. And then Saul, his kingdom gave way to David's, and then David's gives way to Solomon, of course. Well, the reason why I think we need to go back to Samuel and that demanding of a king by the people is because in Solomon's reign, we see a lot of that, those warnings come to fruition. Mm-hmm. We know that Solomon is incredibly wealthy. Well, how did he acquire that wealth? on the backs of his people, the subjection of his people. He built, he's known as the building king. He he built Jerusalem. He built the temples we're going to talk about. Well, how did he do that? On the backs and taxation of his people. And we know that he was such a great burden to his people because of what they do after he dies. Mm-hmm. And they ask his son, hey, will you go easy on us? And, and we'll follow you forever. So I think to understand what's going on here in that bigger context is helpful because – Solomon building the temple is a good thing. Mm-hmm. He is doing what God had told David would happen, but at the same time, we have to understand that how he did it probably had some some problems to it. Sure, absolutely, and that's uh, that's one of those key things that we always need to remember
0: whenever we're considering any of these these people who are considered, you know, the great heroes of the Bible, um, because they they're always representing. A mix of both the best and worst of humanity, because they're people. Yeah, they are humans, um, and uh, there's a there's just this uh, this. One little, um, I know we'll probably get in trouble for for referencing the fact that we've ever watched this, but uh, there's this one episode of, from way, way, way back of The Simpsons where Homer is on the couch and he's he's just he's actually reading the Bible and he's like, man, this book's really messed up. Everyone's everyone's kind of a mess except for this one guy, and uh, <laughs> and so that's that's just kind of this this thing yeah. It's become a, a meme on social media and stuff, and that makes me happy too. But uh, but that's one of those things we always have to remember with with the people in Scripture is that they are people. Um, and so I really appreciate you mentioning the fact that it's like, yeah, this and, probably and, wasn't
1: as neat and tidy as we want no, it to be. and the thing about it, and again, this is, and again, we remember David had wanted to build a temple, mm-hmm. and God said, no, your son Solomon will, will do it. Uh, but here, you know, as I'm just kind of looking through, just glancing through Chapter 6 real quickly, I just see a lot of Solomon built the temple when he did this, when he did that, when he did this. Thinking back to the building of the tabernacle, you see much more of there's this, this voluntary uh, mm-hmm. nature of the people getting behind this project, and you see so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. Mm-hmm. And so that right there, that contrast, I think, clues us into what? Uh, the lack of nobility for lack of a better word um in in Solomon here he's he's obeying god mm-hmm. but again could he have done it a better way and 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 it looks like perhaps maybe. He, he could have maybe and i mean it's also one of those things
0: that i mean it's it's a question that's up in the air because you know, different person wrote. Uh, different yeah. person yeah. wrote the different narratives. Be, I could so. be reading into this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so as we as we read and as we study these chapters, um, what are what are some questions that we should be asking
1: ourselves? Well, I think the, the question that, that begs itself, the one that you led off this episode with, is is why the temple? What was the purpose of the temple um, in in the first place? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so uh, when we think about the temple, what was its purpose, Brian?
1: Well, you know, looking back at at salvation history, we know that God's plan from the beginning was to reside with his people or people to be with them. (laughs)
0: Okay,
1: continue. Yeah, so God wanted to be with his people. We see this from the very beginning of, of creation, is the created order that, that God creates Adam and Eve. And then he comes and he walks with them in the cool of the day. There's this fellowship, this relationship. And of course, sin demolished that, just smashes that. And so the temple was a word picture that God was providing of how he would be with his people again, that he would dwell in the midst of his people. That's why the, the tabernacle was in the center of the camp. Uh, very important word picture that, you know, churches in Europe carried over you see this in, in european city planning where the the the, the churches in the center, the, church of the, is the center of the community yeah. so it's the same kind of idea that god is living with his people in the midst of, of them and of course it was more than that it was not just this uh, monument it's where God's people went to worship him. So that's where the sacrifice was made. That's where worship occurred. So the temple is this critically important piece of architecture um, and, and, and message of God's plan to be with his people, mm-hmm. for him to be uh, there in their midst and for them to worship him.
0: Yeah. So you talked a lot about the tabernacle. So why why a temple? why 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 not just stick with
1: the tabernacle why was that not sufficient yeah i think this is a really interesting question you know as as you're reading through and and again you got to go back to the book of exodus for this where where god commands moses to to construct the tabernacle and we know the tabernacle was 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 a, was a tent Um, And it was temporary, it was portable, it was designed that way because the people of God were moving uh, from Egypt toward the promised land, and then, of course, the wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. So it would be set up, they would camp there for a season, then it would be broken down, they would move. And that's why it makes sense of this temporary nature, if you will. And so we, we fast forward then to David and him looking at his palace that, you know, cedar paneling and so forth and he said man it's Mm -hmm. it's not right that my house is better than the god than god's house right Mm -hmm. and so david's heart was to build a temple Mm -hmm. that was of the weightiness that god deserved now i don't think anywhere in scripture is is that mindset of david's criticized no, um, God rejects David from building the temple because he was a man of war, uh, not because of his desire to do it. So that's part of it. I think a part of the building of the temple rather than the tabernacle was because of the splendor, the added splendor, which makes sense. If this is a word picture of God living with his people, splendor makes sense, Absolutely. majesty. But there also was, I think, this, this level of permanence. Again, the, the tabernacle was designed to be temporary. It was designed to move. Now the people are in the land where God had promised them that they would be. And so a permanent structure makes sense. It said, no, we're here. This is this is God's plan. Mm-hmm. Settle. And that makes sense. But as we're going to see, permanence, we have to think carefully about what that means.
0: Absolutely. So let's dig into that. What does the temple's purpose ultimately reveal?
1: You know, ultimately, again, getting getting ahead, we see Mm -hmm. that the big idea is not just simply for the Israelites in that day to know that God the Father was with them, but it's to see that Christ, the greater tabernacle, the, the one the temple pointed to would come and literally come... To the people and dwell with them mm-hmm. and be the sacrifice on their behalf so that we can be one with God. So it, both the temple and the tabernacle pointed to Christ so that the world would know God's plan to bring salvation through Christ, we see this in in Solomon's prayer of dedication in, in chapter eight, mm-hmm. where it's not just something for the Israelites. Again, the tabernacle was thought of as something for just the Israelites. Yeah, this temple Solomon um, recognizes, um, Holy Spirit inspired, I would argue, mm-hmm. that this tabernacle was being built not just for the Israelites but for all of the people of the world. And this is actually what
0: it says in uh chapter 8 verses 40 41 through through 43. It says, uh, even for the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name, strong hand and out Outstretched arm, and and will come and pray toward this temple. May you hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all the for, that the foreigner asks. Um, then all the people of earth will know your name and uh, to fear you as your people Israel do, and and to know that this temple I've built bears your name. That's a that's a big deal right there. And I mean, you you said this so well that I mean. But it's it's one of those things that we so easily miss when we're when we're studying the New Testament. We have this tendency to toward thinking that um, in the Old Testament God worked one way, that salvation was only for this one people group and only for them, and yet um, and that the New Testament represents a plan B of some kind. Whereas what we see all throughout the scriptures and here so plainly was that from the very beginning, God's intent was always that people from all nations would know him and worship him as God, as he deserves, Um, and that the temple was for that purpose, to point them to him in anticipation of of this greater coming yeah. of Jesus. And that's huge.
1: Oh yeah. So I think you know, what you just said and, and what we see Solomon talking about here in in chapter eight, this idea of of the temple being this picture of God saving all people groups to himself through Christ. Um, you know, I you almost want to say, man, if you, if you just read the Old Testament and recognize these breadcrumbs scattered throughout it but it's like no it's they're not breadcrumbs it's it's obvious yeah. i mean they're genesis big, genesis 12 signs. yeah genesis 12 abraham a covenant where abraham says you know or god says to abraham all the families of the world will be blessed so it, there's these – it's it's apparent yeah we just kind of sometimes like the israelites we fall into this myopic view mm-hmm. um but then we get to to john 1 and we mm-hmm. see that that jesus is the tabernacle he's the greater tabernacle that yeah. the language that's expressed there that that Christ came and dwelt among his people the the literal translation could be tabernacled among his people yeah. we look at the book of hebrews and it's all throughout there how how all these systems in the old testament the the temple itself uh, the sacrificial system the priesthood these all pointed toward Christ and so it makes this cohesive picture and, and all of its splendor and all of its beauty just shine forth. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So let's think about this passage from the perspective of a group leader, whether they're, um, whether they're teaching adults or, or, or working in an adult small group, whether they're um, serving in student ministry, kids ministry, they're engaged in one-on-one discipleship or just in personal study. Um, what guidance can we offer in, in working through this passage?
1: Well, I'll throw out one because I've I've rubbed shoulders with this in in times in ministry and teaching all those different age groups in one way or another. And often I I see people connecting with the temple in in one of two ways today. The Mm -hmm. first is the church building yes that the church campus or the church building that that sometimes we, we kind of carry it over and say well the temple is where the israelites gathered for worship this is where we gathered for worship there's a connection and and there is um, the other is our bodies that our bodies are a temple and of course this is true scripture says absolutely much. but usually how i see this being applied is through taking care of these things that we ought to respect and take care of the church campus. And, and, and we ought, because we, we're, we should be good stewards. Absolutely. And we ought to take care of our bodies because it's the temple, and, and, and we ought to. Mm-hmm. But that's not the main takeaway here. Um, you know, as I think, what's the purpose of the temple again? It's where God came and met with his people. It's where God stepped into creation, into the mess of his people, his sinful, rebellious people. He stepped into their lives. He stepped into what was going on. Jesus stepped into it in a greater way. He stepped mm-hmm. into the world, taking on the flesh, walked among sinful men. Mm-hmm. And this idea of of connecting, this idea of us being called to do something likewise, that we are to live incarnationally as well, that we are not to be in an ivory tower, whether that be... On a church campus mm-hmm. physically or would that be us as a people separating ourselves and forming a holy huddle yeah that we are to be incarnational we're this screams our need and and it should be a desire in our heart to step into the lives of our neighbors our co-workers peers in, in whatever context family members whatever it is and step into those Situations step into those relationships and live among people, so mm-hmm. that we can point them to the beauty of the gospel and share the gospel in word and deed. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And um, and just to reiterate one one piece of that, um, when we think about church buildings and things like this, that uh, this. This reality that, that – I mean ultimately that Christ, is, Christ is, the, is the fulfillment of everything that the tabernacle and the temple were, were pointing toward um, and we think about how we treat our church buildings. One thing that, that all of that truth should remind us is that there isn't a defined sacred space or holy place for the Christian – we don't have one, and that's something that's radically different from virtually every other 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 world religion um, God's people uh, um, as you mentioned, are the temple of the Holy Spirit where and so God dwells with us and so because of that wherever we are is holy. and that actually increases um, in in some respect the weight of... The call to holiness, because God is with us at all times. And so we, we, we don't, but it also it also gives us this, this wonderful gift, because um, what it also means that because God is with us, we have by faith in Christ, we have unrestricted access to him. And so we can approach him boldly as Hebrews 4 says, that we can approach the throne of grace um, and that he will give us grace and mercy in our time of need. Um, Along with that, just the fact that um, Jesus came and dwelt among hum- humanity. That that's a, an important reminder for us of His humanity. That um, because in Hebrews four as well, it also says that He was tempted in every way that we are. So that there was so that He relates to us completely. There's no sin or temptation that He that is completely foreign to Him. Not that He ever sinned. Exactly but that he knows what we go through he knows what we've ex- we we experienced he have he has felt deeply the temptation to um toward the same things that we that we are pulled toward and yet did not sin um and so because of that we have grace we have this great gift we have a savior who appeals for us and is constantly praying for us to the father who represents us to him um and we don't have anything to fear
1: you know that 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 idea of us being bold in approaching god is so critical and uh, i just love that i love that that passage in, in hebrews that you referenced and i think we have to be careful though that that Sometimes I think we might be tempted to push back on that Mm -hmm. because we we understand boldness incorrectly. Mm -hmm. We can approach God boldly. That does not mean we do so flippantly. Or um, arrogantly. Or arrogantly. Yes. Yes. There's still humility that saturates us because the only reason why we can—boldly means with confidence. Mm -hmm. Knowing that we're accepted because we're accepted in Christ because of what Christ did. So there should be humility undergirding this boldness. Um, You know, I I think of— of the president of the United States, any president, not sure. particularly of the one that we have now, but any president, that we would say, all right, would how would we feel free to barge into the White House right now to talk with with him? And the answer of course is no. We don't have that right. We don't have that privilege. The Secret Service would would, you know, stop us, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But think about the child of a president who has that ability to walk into the Oval Office boldly mm-hmm. because that child knows that's my father mm-hmm. and i will be accepted by my father i think it's that thinking that we have to understand of of man, because god is our father because he's adopted us because of christ we approach him with complete confidence that we are loved and accepted by him period mm-hmm. with humility undergirding that All right, Brian, that's a great place
0: for us to to wrap up this conversation. So uh, thanks for for discussing this with me today. And listeners, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hear of the Story podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, we hope you'll leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And of course, for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.